0: We're, uh, you heard it once already, and, and later we're going to say the Apostles' Creed together. When you see that word Catholic uh, up there, that this is a Catholic church, don't, don't be confused as to what that means or does not mean. That thing that we were just doing when we were all holding hands, that's a sign of the global, universal Catholic church. That's what that word Catholic means. It's what it means in the creed as well. We didn't sneak you into a mass. This is not a Roman Catholic church, just so you know. Um, it's a it's a pleasure to be with you this Easter morning and to say Christ is risen. risen indeed. And when I say that, you got it. You got to bring the fire in the response. So we'll try that again. Christ is risen. risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, I wanted to just briefly say uh, if you if you were here on Good Friday with us um, it, we had a tenebrae service in here. This, the room was dark except for the light of candles. And um, I, have to, I have to just say as a pastor, um, I'm fully aware of where we are in this building, in this place together. And uh, on Good Friday, I came to a tenebrae service that I did very little to set up. And that was so different from anything I've experienced for years. Uh, one component of that is just this building and where we are the fact that our stuff was here before we got here and is here after we left we've never experienced that before it was such a restful experience for me and on top of that um samantha northy and becky swan and jenny height did all these things that i normally did myself for for years and i did nothing and uh I, I celebrate the nothingness that i that I did and and also the many gifts that our people are are demonstrating and you'll see on the walls behind me this display that was uh, constructed, led by um, Mark and Jacqueline Oliver. They led that, and Jacqueline has written up a description of what this installation is supposed to be speaking to us. They did that with the help of other hands of people in our church. There's just a lot of stuff going on that is about other people that are taking ownership and displaying the gifts and creativity of God. And I am so, so grateful. And um, this morning, um, uh, I've, been, I've been the pastor here for um, <clears throat> seven and a half years, a little bit more. And in my head, I was just kind of racing through our history because I've been here since before I was a pastor and all the different places that we've had Easter together and um, obviously, this, this is the first time we've been here, and uh, I am so humbled and grateful for all the people that I mentioned, all the people that I see, all the people that aren't here anymore, that live in other places or, or whatever, and it just makes me love Jesus. He's just so good, and I, I hope that you have some sense of that this morning in your own life. We're, this morning, we're going to be in uh, a couple different places, uh, in John chapter 20, and then in Romans 8, and you can keep your finger over in Romans 8. If you don't have a Bible, there's, there's Bibles in the pew. If you don't want to try to read and listen, uh, there, you can follow along with the words that are on the screen, or you can just listen, it's, it's up to you. There's lots of options for you. John chapter 20, verse 11. <clears throat> But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stood stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Raboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and he had said these things to her. In Romans 8, starting at verse 31, Paul writes, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, We'll be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that you are the eternal word of God. We pray that our hearts would be open and soft, that our ears would be open, that our eyes would be open, and that we would hear your voice in the midst of our life. And this morning, we would recognize you for who you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> if you're, um, you're able to, to be at the sunrise service with us in Christ's community this morning, you've already heard this passage. And um, David Taylor, I went up to him after he spoke and I, I chastised him for choosing the same passage that I was supposed to preach on that was unacceptable. So now we're in a war with Christ's community, just so you know. <laughs> Um, no, David, David's a good friend. Uh, I did have to punch him, but it was fine. We're still friends. Um, in John's gospel narrative, um, this story with Mary is, is after the disciples have already been clued in that, that Jesus' body is gone. And they've run in and see that he's not there and they're confused, they're distressed. And John's account here of what happens it zeroes in on Mary Magdalene in a specific and special way that's unlike any of the other gospel accounts. And uh, Mary, Mary is there clearly distressed because Jesus is gone. And of course, she's, she's really wrestling with his being gone this whole time. It's just this final stake in her heart that not only is he dead and gone, but that his body is gone. And there's no place for her to affix her grief. But even that has been taken from her. And she rushes in and sees two angels and doesn't get the message. Their message, the messengers, they don't solve this problem in her heart. She's still clearly overwhelmed and distressed. I don't know if they weren't like angelic enough. Or they haven't turned up the lights. or Such is the nature of her grief though. And ultimately, Jesus comes and her grief is so heavy that she cannot recognize him. And the clearest example that I know of in my own life is is when your eyes are heavy with grief and you have been weeping and your vision is blurry because of the tears in your eyes. And I I really, though the scriptures don't say, I, I think that's what's going on here. Although, of course, we know that Jesus, to some degree, changes. He can like walk through walls and stuff after the resurrection. He's still himself. She can't recognize him. And he asks her, why are you weeping? And she just says, I just want the body. Just please, if you know who has taken it, if this is like a clerical error and you've moved it or something, just tell me. I'll restore it. I'll, I'll do anything. And then Jesus says her name. And then that's... All it took for her is the way that he says her name is different than anyone has ever said her name. The other gospels will tell us that Mary's story is tied up in liberation from demonic oppression. This is a woman who has been enslaved and imprisoned. And Jesus is the one that has picked the lock and taken her out of that prison. So when he says her name, recognition dawns on her and her heart melts. As she cries out for her teacher. And, and she goes, of course, to embrace him. And Jesus says, things are different now. Things are not finished now. I'm here, but I'm leaving. I'm ascending. And tell the disciples, this woman turns and runs to the disciples to tell them the first proclamation of Jesus' resurrection. She becomes this first person to announce, I have seen the Lord. How shocking is this announcement that this woman who was formerly possessed, this woman who is a woman who doesn't even can put her foot in court to make testimony because women aren't deemed credible witnesses. She is the one who announces for the first time, I have seen the Lord. And there is something larger going on in this narrative than just the resurrection of Jesus. It's not just the reappearance of an important character in a story. This is the resolution and the mending of the entire biblical story. Because everything that is of massive importance in the Bible, it seems, is tied to garden events. And John has woven his story straight through these garden places. The Bible opens with the creation of the world meant to experience the very flourishing and goodness of the Creator God who is not separate from His people, but as as a thing of habit and commonplace nature comes and walks with His people. And in that garden, a woman and a man are lured together to consider that maybe this God is not quite so good. Maybe if they would take upon themselves the attributes of divinity, they could be better than divine himself. And in that garden, a woman hears the invitation to take and to eat. And she does. And everything falls to pieces. Because people were not meant to bear in themselves the attributes of divinity. But were instead intended to seek the God who made the world, who made themselves. And her husband buys the lie at the same time she does and himself takes and eats in this garden disaster. And instead of people, humanity, being co-workers with God to extend the boundaries of the garden across the face of the earth. Disaster and death wins its way into the earth. And instead of the people of God being this representation of what it means to be covenanted with God and to be faithful to God, it seems that the serpent's lie has wound itself into the story of the people of God itself. So the Old Testament is, is full of these remarkable stories of, of God initiating in this mending of separation that has happened between Him and His people, but again and again the people of God will taste it and walk away believing that there are other good things out there there for them to taste and to take and to eat. Because we can't quite escape the disaster of the garden. And John will tell us that eventually what God does is he does not keep coming to the world from the outside, but instead even though He is the Creator, even though He says He is the true light who has actually made the world in and of Himself, He comes to the place that He made and the things, the people that He made don't recognize Him as the Maker. He presents Himself again and again And in John's Gospel, the theme is that the people are called to see, called out of their blindness, called to see that the Creator God has again come to walk with His people in the place that He made so that the serpent's lies would not have their way anymore. And again and again, the people have done what they've always done, have done what we have always done. They cannot recognize the light for who He is. They don't understand Jesus for who He is is, and their fury at God for being other than them, for not being just like them, for not giving them everything that they demand, leads them to pick up the hammer and to drive the nails into his hands and into his feet, to plead for his blood, and here in this garden tomb. Jesus emerges from this place of death that the garden has always tragically been. And Jesus steps out of the tomb and onto the serpent's head and crushes him by his own life and death and resurrection. And Mary will be here told what you and I are also told. Would you come and take and eat? Not of the fruit of a forbidden tree, but instead of the very body and blood of Jesus Christ. And Paul will point to this moment. He will point to Jesus. And he will then ask the question of us, what then can separate us from the love of God? If the whole story of humanity, the whole biblical story has been of the tragic separation that is riven between God and man because of sin, what now can separate us? If the only things that were ever separating us was not geography, it's not proximity because God is everywhere. He can be wherever we run to. If that's not the thing that separated us, but it was only sin and death that separated us, but Jesus has done this thing, what is there left? Are there powers? Are there principalities? Is it all the forces of hell? Is it sickness? Is it death itself? And Paul's answer is that no, there's nothing. There's nothing left for hell to hold. There's nothing left that can be imprisoned and wrapped around you. There are no chains that are strong enough to hold you back from the love of God. Not because you and I have Figured out how finally be moral enough or good enough or wise enough or spiritual enough, but because God Himself has descended, He has brought Himself low, He's become a servant, and He has washed you, He has cleansed you, and ultimately He has climbed into your grave and held you in the grave and carried you out. So that there is now nothing. No power, no thing that you can imagine, no height, nor depth, nor width that can separate you from the love of God. In the garden, humanity fell, and through the garden, humanity was rescued. And the great story of Scripture moves on and looks forward to a day when a garden city will be the place where once again God will rest with His people forever. John will look forward in his visions at the end of time in the book of Revelation. He will describe a day when heaven won't be a place where God is and earth is over here. Heaven and earth will be in the same place. And there is no need anymore for a sunset or a sunrise. There's no need anymore for any of your tears because God will wipe them away Himself and He will forever put in its tomb death itself. And there is in that place a river of life flowing past the tree of life that you and I had for so long been separated from. And in that garden city... Humanity's story and the story of God will be collapsed together and we will find our resolution in the place where we were always meant to be, in the garden with God, forever. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And if you are here this Easter Sunday, You are called to look upon this garden God. You are called to respond to him. You you may be like Eve in the Garden of Eden who has been grasping over your own form of power and control. You may have been the kind that said, I know a better way. And if only I myself could be God, the world would be right. But you, in this moment, are sitting in the rubble of your life. Even if from the outside it looks well put together and well contained and well run, on the inside of it you know that you are sitting in rubble, in slavery, in prison, and in death. And this morning, no matter how long your list is, of the things that should be able to separate you from the love of God. The cross of Jesus, the empty tomb is a declaration to you that those things will not separate you from the love of God. And if this morning you have been meandering through your life, following Jesus half-heartedly wandering from pole to pole. Maybe you are just coasting through life, putting the the cross on your car and saying blessings to people and, and all praying at night and just sort of plateaued along in your life with God. This morning, the empty tomb of Jesus is here to remind you what God has done for you and won for you, which is union with Himself. That the very love of God, that God has shared amongst Himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all eternity, that is the love of God that is being poured out upon you, that is on offer to you. And if your heart has been cold and dry and you've been bored with God, we come to this story every year because you and I are people who are prone to boredom and God is calling us to wake up This is not boring. This is the story of humanity. This is the story that you are longing for. There is no better story in all of the world than the very true story of the world. That Jesus, born In Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth in a tiny stretch of geography, a thousand miles away, 2,000 years ago, would somehow be the pivot around which the whole world turns. And that Jesus loves you. And if you feel like this morning that you have been too cold, if you've been too dry, and you don't even have the energy to move towards Him this Sunday... Here is the good news. He's always been the one that's coming after you. God does not believe in 50-50 propositions. It has always been all on Him. And He is coming after you this morning. And if today you would sit here and you would refuse God, and you would walk away, he will walk after you again. If today you would hear his voice, do not harden your heart. If today you hear his voice saying your name, your invitation is the same as Mary's. Would you today confess I have seen the Lord. Mary saw with her eyes, but when, he, when she heard the Master's voice saying her name, then she saw Him. And if today you hear His voice saying your name, He's coming for you. Would you respond to Him in the same way? I have seen the Lord, and there is no one like Him. I've seen Him. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for your generosity and your kindness, your persistence, for your triumph. And Father. I pray even now for all the people who are sitting in this room and are hearing the lies of the serpent even now, the whispers that surely you are not that good. And Father, I pray that you would shut the serpent's mouth and you would declare to these people, to your people, to us, the truth that you are victorious. That your word is the first and the last, the final declaration and judgment. And that it is finished. Father, I pray for all of us who have wandered forsaken garden paths. And that they would here today meet you. And Father, even if we wandered in here and did not even recognize you standing in our midst. That you would be so gracious and kind as to speak our name in a way that can only be you. Father, we pray for soft hearts. And Father, we pray that you would inflame our hearts with love. Father, I pray that we would all come and get a, just a slightly better glimpse of your love this morning that would not be challenged or defeated by death, but instead cause death to die. You are the anchor of our hope, Lord Jesus. Bury us deep in you and fill us with your life. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.